I want to teach and help people have the, the kind of mindset because I feel like it's a part of my responsibility with the perspective I have to help other people and, you know, the demographic of people that I might be able to, to get in touch with because I want to help, you know, the next person and all the players, professional athletes, business people, uh, W-2 workers, if you're the person, wherever you come from, whatever background, whatever demographics, whatever your circumstances are, you don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. Welcome, everybody, to the podcast, and today we have a treat for you. I think that this is the first time that I've ever had an NFL player to come on the show, so this is going to be really exciting. So uh, we have Devon Kennard on with us today, who is into investing and real estate. Uh, he has his company, DK Property Holdings, and uh, do. Thank you, first of all, for taking your time coming on. We met it, uh, a year ago, I think it was. It was yeah. yeah, yeah, a year ago at the Limitless Conference. And we I talked to you online uh, too prior to that. And you were, you know, on your journey. But uh, for obviously those that may not have heard of you uh, or read your book, or you know, why don't you talk to us a little bit about your background and what got you into the game? Yeah, so I'm a nine-year NFL veteran. Um, I played for the New York Giants, the Detroit Lions, the Arizona Cardinals, and a small stint with the Baltimore Ravens, currently a free agent. And I went to the University of Southern California for college. And that's when I first started to get interested in real estate. Uh, you know, I've told this story before, but one of my first mentors was an investor who started out with a police officer's salary and owns thousands of units in LA. And I remember leaving that meeting and I was like, man, if he could do that off of a police officer's salary, then even if I just play one year in the NFL, that could be a huge jumpstart into real estate investing and building my own empire. So that's where I initially got the idea. And when I got into the locker room in the NFL, real estate wasn't that uh, popular at the time. A lot of guys just had financial advisors in the stock market. So to be honest, I started doing that right away. Like, okay, this is what you're supposed to do. And I realized that there was a real problem in like, I'm like, I don't know how long I'm going to play. So, you know, I, I'm very income-based. And I was like, I'm seeing my stock, all these different things are going on. And I'm like, if I stop tomorrow, this isn't helping. I'm going to have to get a job. I want to financial freedom. So after my uh, my first year in the NFL, I bought my first property. And I really haven't stopped since then. So, you know, I think there is this age old, like in financial uh, freedom and in the financial world, right? There's when discussing money in general, people talk a lot about, okay, you can make it, but keeping it is the hard part. And a lot of people use lottery winners and sports players as the example that they're, you know, they make a ton of money, but then they end up with nothing. Right. And you're like totally the opposite of this where you, and, you know, talking with you before and having listened to you and everything, you're, you were very conscientious about money and you were obviously thinking through things. What led you, like, why, 
let's just be honest. I mean, you're in the NFL, dude. Like, right. hey, you're you already made it. Like, it, <laughs> you, you already hit the the dream, the lottery, and everything else. But yet, still, you were looking at, you know, how do I get better? How do I improve myself financially? When actually, that's probably not one thing you had to really think about. Where did that come from? Was that just you, did you grow up around that? Did you have some good mentors? Like, where do you think that came from? Well, one, it, it probably came from observing my father because my dad played in the NFL as well. And he had a 13 year career. But I saw most of my dad's NFL life after football because, you know, I was young. He retired when I was four or five. So I got to see what it looks like for a professional athlete who played a long time, won a Super Bowl ring but has so much life to live. So it, it gave me a unique perspective to where I was like, even if I play 13 years like my dad, I'm going to have so much life to live when I'm done playing. So it, it made me like flip the mindset. A lot of people have this perspective to where they're like, I am going to earn the bridges. Plan A is, is all I'm going to stick to. And it's going to be football and it's football or nothing. And I'm going to make this work. And that's great. But since when did plan A only have to be that one thing? when you know it's going to end. All right, a part of my plan A is what's going to happen for me after football because I know that's going to happen. I don't know when, but I know I'm going to have to retire at some point. So having that perspective kind of really gave me insight. And it was like, I had to tell myself, because, you know, growing, growing up African-American, you know, I have uh, role models who are entertainers and athletes. You want certain things. You want a cool car. You want you want the watch. And it's not that I never wanted any of those things. It's that I I learned to teach myself the raid gratification. Like I'm I'm gonna get those things one day. So I'm gonna take this earned income. I'm gonna invest it, and I'm gonna do whatever the heck I want to do with the passive income that you get from that. Um, and especially while I'm playing in the NFL and already generating income. So the easy thing to do is to make it to the NFL and start blowing your money. Let me look one step in the middle of that, and that's investing. And then once I get extra money from the investment, then that money I can spend leisurely. And, you know, adding that one step, I think it's changed my financial run. I, I love that. Yeah. Invest it, then play with the dividends, not the principal. Yeah. And exactly. that's, that's easy to say, very hard to do. Um, when I, you know, starting out, I sold insurance and that mm -hmm. did, we did really well from it. So that made us a lot of money and we were good and I was really good at it, but it was like, um, football or anything. It was tied to my time. Meaning that if I wasn't selling or like you weren't playing, you were making money. And Absolutely. so I was one, you know, you were one injury away. You were just one season away, just like I was one client away or one thing for losing that income. And so I think that you were so fortunate to have a perspective that most don't have, as I think so was I, where it was like, I need to invest my overall principal. And then the dividends, right? That's different. Like we can, we can play right. on that. We can do that. Now, when did you start and you, you'd been thinking about it. Obviously, you were hearing what people were doing. When did you say real estate is kind of the way that I want to go and why? Why Why did real estate catch your eye outside seeing other people? Was there one avenue of in real estate that you were interested in? What was it that you were looking for? There wasn't really any one avenue. I just knew that it was the best investment to create income and still participate in appreciation. 
Um, you know, if you're getting in stocks, even if you're in dividend stocks, it's like those those dividends are pretty low. So I'm not saying you shouldn't put any money in it, but those are low. Those are low dividends. I can get a higher cash on cash return in real estate. So that's, you know, essentially my dividends, but then still be able to participate in appreciation, hedge my bet against inflation and grow my net worth overall. So I felt like it was the best bang for my buck. And uh, initially it was like, all right, let me build a foundation. If I can get to a foundation where I'm bringing in enough income to sustain my lifestyle, then I can invest in anything else I want from there because my foundation is set. I think a lot of professional athletes, they never look at uh, their target monthly income. Like, what do I need to bring in to sustain my life? Like, do I spend 20, 30, 40, $50,000 a month times that by 12? You know what you need a year. Work your butt off to get to the point where you're bringing that in passively through your investments and, and having dividends and all of those type of things. Because then whatever you have in excess from there, that's money that you can take bigger bets on. You can put throw on the stock market. You can do in venture capital. My crypto fans out there, you could do that. So I was like, I was really like locked in on building income, replacing my target monthly income. I, I love that model where income first um, and then way more upside next. So like, and, and I think most people find that out about real estate. Just I felt the same way, right? I wanted obviously my money to be protected and grow, but I needed income. That's what I was trying to protect against. And well, and you know, to, to that point, it, it's really frustrating because you might not see it from your side. A majority of financial um, of players, NFL, NBA, they have some type of financial advisor. Very few of them are advising them on anything real estate related. It's, they're actually, in a lot of cases, not allowed to. So they're, they're going to say it's too speculative or I can't speak to that. And they're just going to you know, provide them the options that they have at their firm. So they can't advise you on real estate, but then they're only showing you a small pool of things that you can invest in. So I, I felt that was a little jaded. I'm like, you mean, so a good real estate deal comes to me and you can't help me. You can't advise me on it. You can't give me any advice or you may not even know, uh, you know, that's problematic because the real estate is such a pivotal part of growing wealth. And so many people have built wealth and or sustained their wealth through real estate. 100%. I, I found the same thing when talking to financial advisors and other professionals. It was more about, I can't use your money to do that. So there's no reason to even talk about it. I can use your money to do this and I can get paid for it. So this is all we're going to talk about. And so it was, it felt very much like it's only within the realms of you not me, which is a problem because we need to be talking about my financial yeah. future here. Yeah. And so it's, you're right. And I feel like too, real estate, um, you can do on your own or with other people. Um, and there is so much equity and income to make relative to other assets, uh, particularly in the income replacement. It just, it, I feel like it's unmatched. Now, where it may not be is obviously it may not be like, um, uh, you know, a huge win, like a tech company or something like that. But the other problem then that I had with financial advisors think was they were talking about the stock market and returns of like 9% yeah. annually. So then all of a sudden I'm like, it's not like we're talking about huge returns here um, yeah. that I should be ignoring real estate to go focus on this. When, you know, I was looking like you're 
cash flow alone, right? Is that not even counting in the equity and it's a physical, tangible thing that I can loan against that I have a real asset. So it put more power in my court, even though, uh, yeah, put more power in my court and I had the income from it. And even factoring in leverage and how, you know, if you want to invest a hundred thousand dollars in a stock, you get a hundred thousand dollars worth of stock. If you invest a hundred thousand dollars in real estate, you can get four hundred, maybe five hundred thousand dollars worth of property um, in still cash flow. So now you're controlling an asset and that's going to appreciate, which you can hopefully end up drawing that money out. So when you start to bring in the refinance game, the the leveraging line of credits, and and all the different things that you can do to to utilize the asset that you own, uh, I think it provides an immense amount of flexibility. You know, I was talking with my wife and. And we have a 529 plan for, for our two kids. But also, I have a condo here in Tempe, Arizona that, like, I bought for 330K and it's probably almost worth 600K now. And I'm like, I'm going to keep that mortgage. And, you know, that's going to take care of both of their schools and maybe the down payment on their first, you know, their first property together one day or something, or something like that. So, you know, that's from one asset. Those are the kind of things that real estate can do. Now, what what is your area of focus? Do you even have one? Or like right now, what are you uh, buying and focusing on? What are you trying to build? So overall, my I initially I was only buying turnkey properties in the Midwest, and it was I was doing so because I was I'm a football player. You know, I wanted to keep the main thing the main thing. I'm a firm believer. I'm passionate about what I do on the football field. It's been my life dream to play in the NFL. And I didn't want to take away from that. So I felt buying turnkey properties where I had good property managers and can, can grow was key. Now I've kind of evolved. I, I understand real estate more. I've, I've um, you know, grown and I'm doing more value add stuff in select markets where I feel very confident with the team I have in play. And, you know, I, I'm a very forward with my core four. So right now I've kind of gone from single family properties to smaller multifamily properties. And I'm just going to keep growing in, in seeing where things take me and allow, you know, two, a twoplex to turn into a four, eight and down the line and do that throughout my portfolio and grow my own assets before I start raising money and starting my own syndication. Because from my perspective, the key focus for me is to remain passive. I, um, you know, I look at three things. I want to, I want my investments to be passive. I want them to cash flow and I want them to appreciate. But passive is is the number one thing I look for. So I'm like, if I can have my core four in place, any investment that can allow me to to, to have those three things, cash flow, passive, and, and appreciation, I'm going to consider. And I found a good little niche in multifamily in the Tampa market. I have a good team through our mutual friend, Kathy Becky, or actually, actually uh, met uh she introduced me to a good team out of Tampa that I've been working with. And, and, uh, that's what I'm kind of focused on right now. That's awesome. I absolutely love that. That's something a lot of people don't think about or talk about. Like you, I had my job that was paying me well, and it made no sense for me to leave it because that was fueling my real estate business right now. There came a time when it was ready to, but I feel like we, a lot of people talk really down about like W-2s and working careers. And I, I could not be more against that. I'm like, yeah. this is a building time. And that income is so vital 
for you to be able to create and earn. And until you're ready, right, you need to use that, use that, that as an asset like it is and build up your financial future. So you were, when you were playing, right, you're, um, when you were looking and starting that journey, did you have a lot of support or did you feel like you were on your own in it trying to, were, were people pulling you in different directions? I, I had some mentors that I was like kind of leaning, leaning towards. And one thing about real estate is there's so many different ways, you know, so, and what, one thing I've realized is accepting the fact that it all works. It can, it can all work, you know, from development to self-storage to senior living centers, hotels, all of it can work. Like, so where, where do I start it? For me, I, I kind of figured out that I'm a very conservative. So I was like, I'm going to start out in single family because in, in the Midwest, I can buy single family properties, a three bedroom, two bath for under, under grand. So that's why I own a bunch of properties in Ohio and Kansas City because it was affordable and it was good to get my feet wet, understand more. I'm getting into different markets. I think people get caught up in trying to figure out where to start. And I say, just start. Dive in on like the top 10 books you could find on real estate and listen to a few podcasts and get in the game and buy your first property and then just keep stacking from there. And depending on your risk profile and the amount of money, your first property might be, um, you know, a triple net lease. $10 million building, or it might be an $86,000 property like me because you're conservative. It doesn't really matter, but you have to shoot your shot. And there's so many people out there that are just kind of staying on the sidelines, afraid to do something. 100%. It, you know, I always talk about their active learning versus static learning. And the static learning is great. We need it. I need it. I read, listen to podcasts all the time. Today, always have, always will, because it's important. But I know what I know and can do what I can do because of the active part of it, not the static part. And a lot of people get that confused where I take that static learning to figure out how to better apply my active learning. But without the active part, you're missing out on 90% of the entire learning curve. So the idea of, I think I'll, I'll just keep going analysis paralysis I'll keep reading, listening to podcasts until I get to a point where I know enough that doesn't exist because right, you right. won't know enough until you're doing. And it just that never you'll never know enough. It will never happen. And so in only in order to feel confident, in order to feel like you do know enough, you have to do. And that's yeah. that's hard. That's really hard. It's really hard for a lot of people. And that's why it's like learn learn what you can and then make the best decisions with what you know at that time. I'm so glad I started the way that I started. Some people ask me, like, you wish you bought a huge complex already. And it's like, I'll get there. Yes. Now, uh, I got a question that, you know, I can't really ask many people, but I can ask you. How has being in the NFL and the game of football applied to your overall investing strategy and what have you learned from that that others could take away that they should know about and how they could apply those lessons into investing and into entrepreneurship and getting themselves into the game of money because it's a very unique experience you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say the number one thing that I've learned and, and why I'm so passionate about talking about, about the stuff we're talking about today is 
having a W-2 job that I know I'm going to get fired from or I'm going to have to walk away from, as opposed to having a W-2 job where you think you can do it for the next 70 years, it forced me to change my mindset. And I want every person out there who has a W-2 job, there is nothing wrong with working, with going to work day in and day out. Um, you know, hopefully you like your job, but even if, you, you know, you got to, you know, thug it out for a little bit in a job you don't love, you're doing it for your family, all that. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can have the same mindset I have as far as replacing your income while you're working. So if you already know you're going to work for the next 30, 40, 50 years, what if you're picking off one property at a time every year, saving a little bit of money until you get to the point where you're generating the same amount passively as you are from your you know, day job. And now you put yourself in a position where you get to work because you want to work, not because you have to work. And I, I think that unique perspective is one of the biggest things that kind of sets me apart is I felt like it's forced me to think that way because even if I wanted to play football for the next 30, 40, 50 years, I cannot. And, you know, the, the, the next thing I would say is just how cutthroat business is. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when you're in a performance-based business like I am and you're a part of that and you're an employee at the end of the day, you see things a little differently. I, I, see, ki I see guys with, with kids and families and mortgages and a team cutting them because they, they thought a young guy, he, oh, he got some upside. Let me keep the young guy. He's younger. Even though the older guy might be a better player, he's young. I think that happens in all business. And, and decisions like that are being made, but it doesn't come across as egregious and it's not, it, it doesn't look the same. So people miss that. And when you kind of recognize how cutthroat business can actually be, it makes you want to, you know, have, could take control of your own circumstances and your own financial life. I, dude, I could not agree more with everything you just said. I felt the same way because for me, all my clients had an end date, right? We, you would never have a client forever. So I was always in a state of perpetual. I have to find another client. We have to find more income, right? Cause we may hold a client for two, three, four years. And that made it always a state of perpetual. There's it's going to end. We knew it was going to end. It's a matter of when, not if. And if we weren't actively engaged in offsetting, replacing, the whole entire thing would end for us. And it was also a very cutthroat business, meaning other people were coming out and taking my clients. So I had to fight for them, right? And then I had to fight to keep them. I had to, and then when we lose them, there'd be mergers, acquisitions. Uh, another person would come and take them, take them over, right? We had to start going and going again. And that urgency and that cutthroatness made it so we've got to invest. We got to put the money because the comfort of a W-2 did not exist. Yeah. I didn't have and, it. And people don't see that. Even if you're at Google working right now, yes. you should be scared, scared right now because of- It's the same AI. thing. They just <laughs> don't see it. They don't they know They don't it. see it. Yeah. Exactly. We're just on the front of the spear on the revenue point. And so it's like, we know, and you see it. And I knew I'd get replaced, right? Our admin staff that was behind me, they didn't feel that way even though it was still true. If we lost the clients, they would be gone, right? But it hit me first. So being the first mm -hmm. that it hit, right? And then would fall back. And that, it, it, I think that's an important piece because that's the reality, right? Yeah. It's not like people say, oh, well, you shouldn't have to live like that. Right? Well, but that's the reality. Once again, even if you have a W-2, that's the reality. You just don't know what's happening. Yes. Would you rather know and be prepared or just be, when it happens, be not set, not prepared, and then in big trouble. 
Yeah, and now, you, now you're struggling. I, I've seen, I've had friends take jobs, you know, get fired and take jobs they didn't want because they just needed to find work fast. What if you had enough income coming in or, you know, you saved enough and you had enough income through properties coming in where you can, you can say no to the job you don't really want and wait two more months for the job you want. It gives you power. And one aspect I'll say, um, I haven't told anybody this story, but this last year I was in uh, Baltimore. I was released from the Cardinals midseason. I went to Baltimore and I actually played three weeks as soon as I got there because they had injuries. Guys came back from injuries and they stopped playing me. And I was on practice squad, just practicing for like five more weeks. And I went and had a conversation with the GM. And I was like, hey, hey, look, I love playing football, but I'm not getting the opportunity here because your guys came back. So, you know, it probably makes the most sense for me to, for you to release me and let me go home and wait for a better opportunity. I want to be here. I don't have to be here. Yes. And, you know, being in that position and kind of pick, uh, flipping the paradigm on its head. And now I'm in a position even now can have opportunities to play this next season and I want to, but I want it to be the right opportunity. And I want everybody to have that kind of leveraging your own life, be able to make those decisions for yourself, to be able to decide, no, I want to do this because I really want to. No, this this doesn't make sense. This job's going to uh, take too much of my time. I want to spend more time with my kids. A lot of people don't have that choice you can you can start to make decisions now by investing in real estate to give yourself that choice five, 10, 15 years from now. You know, I, I, I like to say financial freedom isn't about doing less, meaning you don't have to work. It's about doing more. It's just about doing more of what you want what to do. And that is the power that that it brings you. And that power is earned, right? You have to put off Today, you have to work harder. I mean, I worked two jobs for a long time. I traveled a lot, right? But it was because I wanted the freedom in the future. And so instead of taking the the cars, the toys, or whatever it was today, right? I'm going to put that off for the freedom of choice tomorrow. And uh, that, that choice and that power really is powerful because then you enjoy what you're doing. That story you just told about how you could decide your own future, right? Um, I mean, yes, money's great, everything else, but that right there, that is the difference. Because two, then you have the opportunity to find better things. Absolutely. Now you can choose paths that are better for you in your situation, monetarily or for family or whatever that may be, but what's right for you. And I like to, I like to think of it like this. I'm like, Every, I can guarantee a hundred percent your job will end one hundred percent at some point you will no longer be able to work yes the timing on that it may end up being like it was for me at 32 which was out of my control and I became paralyzed or it may be when you're 70 or 85 I don't know but it's 100 percent certain yes. So, why would not you be doing everything you can as quick as you can to prepare for that eventual certainty and then not only prepare, but then give you the freedom and ability to live your life and tell that optimizing and doing what you want to do. So based on that, I actually have a question for you. Why do you think people don't value cash flow? Like, like so many people invest and it's like, all right, for a retirement 40, 50, 60 years down the line. And I'm so wired to think like, 
if I could repl- if I can get to a certain income level, and I'm buying all the assets that are going to appreciate, sixty years from down the line is going to take care of itself. But like, how uh, I'm like, that's how I'm wired. But why don't people think that way? So I think generally it's better to hope and dream and follow the institutions. So meaning that I'm told to do this, I'm going to stash my cash away, and eventually I will retire at this end date. And most of the time I can put that responsibility off on my 401k, my IRA, and the stock market. I have no control over it. That gives me the ability to release responsibility. So I can say it's not my fault. I'm not in control of this, right? It's something somebody else's. And two, it puts it off on having to do something today. And I think generally speaking, everybody wants to do that. I have my job. It's making it. I can make it. It's good enough. It Nothing bad's happening right now. And I will prepare in my own way. But more importantly, I don't want to take the time and I don't want to save the money. I don't want to work the extra jobs and I don't want to take the effort to do what that takes today. I think for the most part, that's what it is. Now, obviously, we're not talking about the segment of the population, guys, that is in poverty and does not have that choice. That That's not what we're having a conversation about here. That's totally no. different. So we're talking about, though, the people that are choosing to just put their money away and hope that it's just there at the end. Deferring responsibility is really powerful because taking responsibility on yourself is really hard. Um, and I think, you know, you as a professional athlete at the top of the top, right? You know that you don't show up. It doesn't happen. Yes. And you got to show up every day. This isn't something that you get to say, oh, well, hopefully by the time the game comes around, I'll be in good. No. It's every day for you, right? So you, and that's how it was when me and my job, which changed my perspective, was it was every day I had to sell every day I had to show up. If not, I wasn't going to make any money. And so that changed, I think, our relationship probably with money and how we perceived it and what we needed to do about it. Yeah, that's that's great perspective. Never thought about it that way. Now, where are you, what are you going to do, man? I mean, you you're you're in already an amazing spot. Like you have your you're young, you've got these assets, you have this, just your knowledge base alone of how you see what's going on and what you've done to prepare yourself. You're just leaps and bounds ahead of so many people where you put yourself into that position. So what are your, what, where do you want to go with this? Like, what are you planning to do? I want to keep growing my personal portfolio and I want to teach and help people have the kind of mindset and the things we talked about today, because I feel like it's a part of my responsibility with the perspective I have to help other people and, you know, the demographic of people that I might be able to, to get in touch with. You know, being an athlete, I feel like I have an outreach that maybe you don't have. And to if we're, if we're saying the exact same message, it hits a little different coming from me. So, I, you know, I've kind of felt like I'm trying to get better and better at interpret interpreting that and and putting that out there because I want to help you know the next person and all the players professional athletes business people uh w2 workers you know I want to reach as many people as I can because I think so many people can do it this way and still have a w2 job I, I hear a lot of people say like oh I work too much I can't do that trust me my days are long as a professional athlete and I've still been able to do it 
you can do it. It's all about priorities and, you know, kind of being very transparent. And, you know, one unique thing that I feel like advantage I have in that is I'm in the trenches. I know by no means know everything um, or yet, but I thought it was important that while I don't know everything, to start to share and start to have these conversations. You know, I'm bringing everyone I can along the journey and helping whoever I can as, as, as I go. So there's a couple of things I just want to hit on, dude, because that was so good because you, you mentioned a lot, your focus was on the journey, okay? A lot of people, they think of the destination, not the journey. And a lot of people assume that where maybe I am or others are today, that there was this immaculate plan of how to get there and we executed on it. That is not how it happened, right? It was, we had to take every single step. Even when I owned a bunch of storage facilities, I didn't know that I was going to be in storage. I was in another business and I was working really hard to make that work. I didn't know that that was going to be my thing. So even when I was doing it, I didn't know that that was actually my path. And I think a lot of people are waiting to move to get, they're waiting to see the clear path to the end, where what they should be focusing is one step in front of the other and the journey as opposed to that destination. Because on the journey, you'll have multiple avenues that you get to choose. And then you can take advantage of those to get to a destination that you want. But you don't see those avenues until you're walking down the path. I think that's a great point because, you know, some people go to your go to your uh, Instagram or, you know, your website, whatever it is, and they see the success you're having and the syndication you run and all the business you're doing. It's like, I can never be there. But they got to realize you started somewhere and, you, you know, you had to build to that. And it wasn't I'm sure it wasn't always pretty. I'm sure there was mistakes along the way. I'm sure there was failures along the way. And but you kept chugging along. and You kept at it day in and day out. And I think that's the pivotal point. The journey is everything. And if you get into this thing and learn as much as you can, you're going to make mistakes along the way, but your mistakes are going to get better and better and better. And, you know, you're just going to keep growing. hundred percent. When people ask, you know, they're like, oh, so what's your number? What are you drinking? I'm like, dude, there is none, man. I, I love doing what I'm doing. It is 100% the journey. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to keep going. It's about progress. And this is one thing that I love about athletes is they are so into the day-to-day part of the process. They're meticulous about it, how their workout regimes work, what they're doing every single day. And they, you, yeah, you have this bigger picture where you want to get, but the focus on that moment that small improvement is so intense. And I think a lot of times we do not, people don't approach their lives like that. Every day, they're not working on the things that they need to be doing to get to that end destination. And if you approach it like you did an athlete where you say, no, it doesn't matter if it's rain. It doesn't matter if it's sun. It doesn't matter if I'm hurting. I, 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 it's the process and I got to go do it. And I got to wake up and I got to go do it. It would just change everything. It would change everybody's financial outlook, their journey. I want this thing. Well, I can't have it yet. I got to wait, right? Um, And knowing that for an athlete, the goal is to become the best athlete. Yeah, you want to win games, right? But you know that you have to become the best to do that. 
That's what people need to approach financially. You need to be the, you need to become the best so you can have the thing. So focus on you, get down to practice, work out, focus on the skill sets that you need to win the game, but don't make the game the focus. Oh, man, the, the process is everything. And I think I never looked at it that way, but I think that's where I've got it from with like, I, I do hone in on what does my day to day look like? Like, you know, for, for me over the weekend, I put down the 10 markets that I have access to right now, you know, trying to hone in on the markets that make the most sense. Which one should I focus on now? But you know, it's, it's Tuesday now and I've made four calls with contracts. I'm trying to figure out which contracting team um, makes the most sense. Who do I think is going to be able to get into the houses the fastest? You know, what market am I most confident in? And it's just by making the phone calls. And now, you know, I've crossed, I've crossed out a market because I'm like, you know what? They're selling me a turnover is going to take 60 to 90 days. It doesn't sound like they have much urgency if I buy a value at property there. That's like, I'm going to buy in that market. I'm probably going to have to turn it, uh, do a turnkey property until I find a contractor I'm comfortable with. That took action. You know, and that's that's me progressing, and that's my whole focus this week specifically. Is all right. What market? Uh, what are the two to three markets I'm going to focus on out of these ten? And you know, I'm halfway there. It's Tuesday because of action. I love it, dude. It's just those little things that add up to the big things, and it's doing it nonstop all the time. And you know, I often think of the quote: "We overestimate what we can do in a year." And we vastly underestimate what we can do in 10. And this is what we're talking about here. Those little things on a day-to-day basis. In a year, it may you, you'll see improvements, you'll be happy, but, but it doesn't seem like it's like, I'm not near my goal. But then in 10 years, you're going to be so far past it. Because yes. those little things, they, it compounds, right? It compounds. And you get better, just like when you're playing sports, just like when you're working out, Right. Every day it compounds and you get better and better. What, what, I, what I found is like never take a step back. Like you, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And yes. when I say don't take a step back, you can, you know, you're going to make mistakes. But as far as your knowledge, as far as moving forward towards your goals, and when you're either getting better or you're getting worse, you never stay the same. So some days your best might just be 1% better. But guess what? There's going to be some days where your best is 20% better. So someday you're going to grow and you're going to have big moments and big days and other days. Just make sure you're getting a little bit better. You're listening to that podcast. You're you're underwriting that one extra deal. You're just getting a little bit better. And then the days where you're really up to it, you get a lot better. But by doing, getting better and not taking a step back, it puts you so much further ahead um, down the line. And I found that in in life in general, but specifically in football, I, I remember growing up, I, like my brother always told me, if you, if you want to be like everybody else, do the same thing. If you want to be better, you got to do a little more. So with that in mind, it was like, all right, we had our team workouts, we had our team list, we did this, but I had to get at least two to three extra workouts in a week. Because if I was doing, if I was just doing what everybody else was doing, how could I expect a different result? So my mindset is always like, I got to do a little bit more than what everybody else is doing. If I want a different result for my life financially for, you know, and I address that, how do you do in all aspects of life? So how you live, how you live in one area is how you live everywhere. So kind of living that life fully is, is exciting. Yeah. Everybody, you should put that on a sticky note and put it on your mirror. 
if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. I've always said, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. And it's true. And it, it's, it's like, you know, even with muscles, I mean, when, uh, when, when I became paralyzed, I lost all my muscles, like evaporated. Right. So I was in bed and I wasn't doing anything and they just, they were gone. And I lost, I mean, I was like 140 pounds at one time and it was, my muscles were just gone. Half of the, half of the coming back wasn't even the nervous system. It was trying to get my muscles to come back, to rebuild, to even support me. And it was, they just hammered it. You have to move. Because if you don't move, you're going to lose it. There is no in-between. You don't get to not move and keep what you have, right? That doesn't exist. And so I love that statement because I think that's true with all things in life. Like you don't, we, we are not afforded the opportunity to do nothing and stay the same. That's not how it works. Um, that's probably the best advice anybody can get, especially because it's not a lot. Like what you said, listen to the podcast, right? read up on something, uh, do, do some market research, like little things. And, and that takes the weight off. It should, at least for me, it takes the weight off the shoulders. Like, oh, I have to do everything right now. And I have to do so much, right? I have a little thing on my, my phone where I'm like, Hey, 30 minutes a day, make sure you read, uh, listen to an audio book on the phone. And then I have some studies, little things, but those little things mount up big time. No, that's fantastic, man. Now. All right. So Tell me about your book. Yes. Called It All Adds Up. And, you know, we I talk a lot about everything we're talking about now, but one of the big concepts that I kind of ingrained was this flip the bag concepts. Um, and it's essentially about maximizing your situation um, and, you know, your position. We all have different blessings in life. And for me, take whatever your circumstances are and all that matters is what you do with what you've got. Um, so, if, you know, you're blessed with one bag, you know, flip it to two. If you're blessed with five bags, flip it to 10. And, you know, I, I got that concept from a parable in the Bible, but also because being a, being a child of a, um, of an NFL player, I had a lot of like pushback on like, Oh, easy for you to say your dad played in the NFL or, or of course you're going to make me. And for me, it's like, all right, I've been blessed and fortunate because of my circumstances. Maybe I'm a person who got five bags of gold because my dad played in the NFL. But I've, I've been very astute about making sure I flip it to 10. So if you're a person, wherever you come from, whatever background, whatever demographics, whatever your circumstances are, you don't have to compare yourself to anybody else. Uh, I dive a lot into that because I feel like it's it's a point that it really resonates with uh, real estate and investing and financial freedom wise. But there's parallels to life. I've realized these lessons are things that correlate in everything that we that we pursue in, in our day to day. So um, you know, it's my first book and I hope everybody goes out and reads it and, and checks it out. Yeah. And guys, we got a link in the bio here. You can go check it out. Um, I absolutely love everything you just said. And I think it's really important to remember because it's so funny because like we all have that. Like I felt like overly blessed about my father who came from extreme poverty, taught me how to sell insurance. Right. We're doing it because, um, it's just like, I felt like I was overwhelmed. I am overwhelmed by gratitude of that position, right? That I was in. And as a kid that grew up with learning disabilities, like dyslexia, ADHD, things like that, I, I needed an avenue that could help me. And that was 
I felt provided by the example of my my father, right? And then I got to work with him. A lot of people don't even have good relationships with their dads. And right. for me, it that was a huge blessing to me. And we all have things in our lives, right? That can help us, that we can use, that we can leverage. And that is great. We need to use them. But at the end of the day, you got to do it. And it doesn't matter where you start, how you start. It doesn't matter if you have those examples. We didn't have, we didn't have podcasts when we got started. There was no books on storage when we got started. Like this was not, we didn't have any of this. We didn't have social media, right? It was literally just like, we got to figure this out. And I think that that what we're talking about, people that are successful, they take whatever they have at whatever point in the journey they are on and they work at it every single day. And by every day, they just don't stop and they don't give up. But I, you are a perfect example of that because you're not settling. You just dropped a book, right? You're, you're, you're going, you're not stopping, even though so many people in your circumstances, done, right? They're like, I made it. I'm good. You, you already hit the path. But I think that's why you made it because you are not like that. And you do keep pushing and you do keep growing. And that is an example for anyone, anyone out there that they should follow. Um, where can people go to watch you, learn more from you, man? Where can, where can we direct people here? Yeah, um, my my website is DevonKennard.com. I'm on, on all social media platforms, DevonKennard.com. So pretty much type my name in and you'll, you'll find me pretty quickly. And uh, same with my book. You can order it at DevonKennard.com or it's on Amazon. There's audio books because I'm a big audio guy. So, um, you know, however you, you like to watch or listen, you can do it there as well. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate you having on and look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate you.